Merry Christmas, everyone. My name is Angela Lansbury, and I'm here with Sir John Gielgud on behalf of the Salvation Army. Here is a Christmas carol, but not sung by choirs or played by orchestras. Our Christmas carol is the story of a skinflint called Scrooge by Charles Dickens. For your Christmas listening pleasure, the Salvation Army presents Angela Lansbury and Sir John Gielgud in a dramatic portrayal of Charles Dickens' immortal tale, A Christmas Carol. Bruce Broughton composed original musical underscoring and conducts the Army of Stars Orchestra. From London, the international leader of the Salvation Army, General Eva Burroughs, sends a special Christmas greeting for you. We've all come together to make your Christmas brighter and to remind you that it should not be necessary to be challenged by the ghosts of Christmas, past, present, or future, to recognize there are people in need right now, right where you live. There are opportunities still available to practice the lessons of love so poignantly painted in the character of Scrooge. The Salvation Army will help deliver that message to the many Cratchit families where you live. So listen now, as an army of stars says, Merry Christmas across the December miles to you. And now here are Angela Lansbury and Sir John Gielgud with our Army of Stars adaptation of Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Marley was dead, to begin with, as dead as a doornail. Scrooge never painted out old Marley's name. There stood the firm's name still, Scrooge and Marley. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. Out squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Hard and sharp as flint, from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire. Secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheeks, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. Cratchit! Cratchit! One lump of coal will be enough for that fire. Put the other piece back. Eternal heat and cold had little influence on Scrooge. No warmth could warm, no wintry weather chill him. No wind that blew was bitterer than he. No falling snow was more intent upon its purpose. No pelting rain less open to entreaty. You'll want all day off as it's Christmas tomorrow, I suppose, Cratchit. It's not convenient and it's not fair. If I was to stop half a crown for it from your salary, you'd think yourself ill-used. And yet you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. What's that you say? 
It only comes once a year, you say? Bah, humbug! A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. You'll probably be celebrating like that wasteful nephew of mine. Humbug! Be here all the earlier the next morning. Nobody ever stopped him in the street to say with gladsome looks, My dear Scrooge, how are you? When will you come to see me? No beggars implored him to bestow a trifle. No children asked him what it was o'clock. No man or woman ever once in all his life inquired the way to such and such a place of Scrooge. But what did Scrooge care? It was the very thing that he liked. To edge his way along the crowded paths of life, warning all human sympathy to keep its distance. Scrooge, after a melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern, and having read the newspapers and his bank book, went home. The yard was so dark, and the fog and frost so hung about the black old gateway of the house that Scrooge was fain to grope with his hands. Now it is a fact that there was nothing at all particular about the knocker on the door, except that it was very large. But Scrooge, having his key in the lock, saw not a knocker, but Marley's face with a dismal light about it. As Scrooge looked fixedly at this phenomenon, it was a knocker again. He threw open the door, and with a single candle lit, mounted the stairs. It was dark, but darkness was cheap, and Scrooge liked it as he shut the heavy doors. His voice echoed through the cold room as he exclaimed, but one word, Humbug! He looked to the corner of his room and saw the old bell begin to swing, and then others joined it throughout the house. It's humbug still. I won't believe it. The cellar door flew open with a booming, then the noise of someone on the stairs coming towards his door. His color changed, when without a pause it came on through the heavy door and into his room. Marley! How now? What do you want of me? Much. Can you... Uh, can you sit down? You don't believe in me. I don't. At this, the spirit raised a frightful cry and shook its chain with such a dismal and appalling noise that Scrooge held on tight to his chair to save himself. Mercy! Dreadful apparition. Why do you trouble me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world. Oh, woe is me. And witness what it cannot share, but might have shared on earth and turn to happiness. I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link. I girded it on of my own free will. But, but you were always a good man of business. Business? 
Mankind too was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. I suffer most this time of year. Why did I walk through crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down and never raise them to that blessed star? Hear me, my time is nearly gone. I'm here tonight to warn you that you have a chance and hope of escaping my fate. You will be haunted by three spirits. Expect the first tomorrow when the bell tolls one, the second the next night at the same hour, and the third upon the next night when the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate. The apparition walked backward from him and floated out upon the bleak, dark night. Slowly, Scrooge closed the window and turned and checked the door through which the ghost had entered. It was still double-locked. He went straight to bed and fell asleep upon the instant. When Scrooge awoke to the tolling clock, it was so dark that he could scarcely distinguish the window from the walls of the room. sickle must have got into the works. The old man tossed and turned, for he was exceedingly bothered by Marley's ghost. Was it a dream or not? The clock signaled the passing of each quarter hour until, with a deep, dull, melancholy sound, it struck the hour of one. Lights flashed in the room and the curtains of the bed were drawn aside by a hand. Scrooge found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew near. Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? Who are you? I am the spirit of Christmas past. Rise and walk with me. I am but a mortal and liable to fall. Bear but a touch of my hand, and you shall be upheld in more than this. But I am bound by these walls. Oh! With me you are bound by nothing but the past. These are the shadows of the things that have been. Look, do you remember where we are? Remember? I could walk this road blindfolded. See that old decaying mansion? Look inside. I know what's there. Long, bare, melancholy rooms. And in this room, a lonely boy sits reading near a feeble fire. I know him well, very well, alone. I wish... What is the matter? Nothing. There was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I should have liked to have given him something, that's all. Yes. The door there, it opens. It's a little girl. It's my sister, little Fan. She runs to the boy and throws her arms around him and kisses him. What is she saying? I cannot hear them. She says she has come to take him home. Home. Home forever. Their father is much kinder now, she reports. 
He has spoken gently to her, and she has asked him if her brother could return home. They are going to spend Christmas together. Little Fan, always a delicate creature, whom her breath might have withered. But she had a large heart, and she died a woman, and had, as I think, a child. A son? Your nephew, whom you deride and ignore. I know. Yes. But come, another shadow from the past. See you there, a young man. And who is that young woman with you? She is fair, but look, there are tears in her eyes. Tell me what she says. Her words have never left you. She says she is displaced from your affection, that you have a new idol. What idol could displace Belle? She says, a golden one. Spirit, remove me from this place. Take me back. Haunt me no longer. Awakening in the middle of a prodigiously tough snore and sitting up in bed to get his thoughts together, Scrooge had no occasion to be told that the bell was again upon the stroke of one. He had arrived back in the nick of time for the second messenger dispatched through Jacob Marley. Scrooge, he heard a voice call from another room. Come here. He obeyed. It was his own room. But it had undergone an amazing transformation. For Christmas decorations hung everywhere, and in the middle, in easy state, there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see. Spirit, conduct me where you will. I went forth last night on compulsion, and I learnt a lesson which is working now. The room is gone, the night is gone. And we stand in the city streets on Christmas morning. The poulterer's shop is open. See the great round pot-bedded baskets of chestnuts, shaped like the waistcoats of jolly old gentlemen, lolling at the doors and tumbling out into the street in their apoplectic opulence. <laughs> well, I've never seen it this way before. Listen, the steeples call good people all to church and chapel. See them come in in their best clothes and gay faces. And what is this? It's Bob Cratchit's house. There's Bob. And Mrs. Cratchit, oh, her gown looks twice turned, but brave with ribbon. And all these children, oh my, what fun they have together. There, that young boy, crippled, sitting at the table by his father. That must be Tiny Tim. So brave and frail, his little crutch upon the floor. What a splendid dinner. And the pudding. Such a smell. And such Christmas beauty as Mrs. Cratchit puts it down in the middle of the table. So firm, blazing in ignited brandy and bedecked with holly stuck into the top. Bob lifts his glass and others join him. A Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us, he says. What a wonderful toast. And Tiny Tim, listen. God bless us, everyone, he said. Yes, Bob, hold his withered little hand in love. Spirit, spirit, 
Tell me if Tiny Tim will live. What? You see a vacant seat and a crutch without an owner? If these shadows remain unaltered by the future? Oh, no. No, no, kind spirit. Say he will be spared. By this time, it was getting dark and snowing pretty heavily as Scrooge and the spirit went along the streets. There was a wonderful brightness of roaring fires in kitchens, parlors, and all sorts of rooms. Much they saw and far they went, and many homes they visited, but always with a happy end. The spirit stood beside sick beds, and they were cheerful, on foreign lands, and they were close at home, by struggling men, and they were patient in their great hope, by poverty, and it was rich, in almshouse, hospital and jail, in misery's every refuge, where vain man had not made fast the door and barred the spirit out, he left his blessing and taught Scrooge his precepts. The clock struck twelve. Then, as the last stroke ceased to vibrate, he beheld a solemn phantom, draped and hooded, coming like a mist along the ground towards him. I am in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come, and you will show me the shadow of the things that have not happened but will happen in the time before us. I fear you more than any spectre I have seen, but lead on, lead on. The night is waning fast, and it is precious time to me. Will you not speak to me? The spirit gave no reply, but moved away as it had come, bearing Scrooge in the shadow of its dress. They scarcely seemed to enter the city, for the city rather seemed to spring up about them and encompass them of its own act. The spirit stopped beside one little knot of businessmen and directed with his hand that Scrooge advance to listen to their talk. Oh, spirit. They stand, chinking their money in their pockets, looking at their great gold watches and talking about the death of someone who died last night. They laugh and wonder what he has done with his money. Whatever it is they discuss, they say it's likely to be a very cheap funeral, which no one will attend. They leave the busy scene and move into an obscure part of the town which Scrooge had never penetrated. Sitting in the midst of a disreputable, filthy shop was a grey-haired rascal, nearly 70 years of age. Two women and a man barter with him. They laugh as they talk about taking possessions from a dead man's rooms. He gives them coin, and smiling, he says, This is the end of it, you see. He frightened everyone away from him when he was alive to profit us when he was dead. And the four cackled their horrid laughter from filthy, twisted mouths. Scrooge, looking on, pondered. Were those my things they sold there? Spirit... This is a fearful place. Leaving it, I shall not leave its lessons. Trust me. Next, the ghost conducted him through several streets familiar to his feet. And as they went along, Scrooge looked here and there to find himself. But still, he was nowhere to be seen. 
Then they entered poor Bob Cratchit's house and found the mother and the children seated around the fire. Quiet, very quiet. One of the boys was reading. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. Where have I heard those words? And where is Tiny Tim? His crutch stands there in the corner. He must be out with his father. But wait, there's Bob now, and he's alone. There's a brave smile upon his face, but tears in his eyes as he tells his wife of the beauty of a green hill. Then breaking down completely, he sobs, my little boy, my little boy. Oh no, Tiny Tim is dead. Spectre, I suspect our parting moment is at hand. But tell me, what man was that we heard discussed as dead? Who was it? The ghost conveyed him as before to a churchyard where the wretched man's name he had now to learn lay beneath the ground. Overrun by grass and weeds, the growth of vegetation's death, not life, choked up with too much burying. The spirit stood among the graves and pointed to one. Scrooge advanced, then turned again to the ghost. Before I draw nearer to that stone to which you point, answer me one question. Are these shadows of the things that will be, or are they shadows of the things that may be only? The spirit was as immovable as ever. Scrooge crept towards the gravestone, trembling as he went, and following the finger, read upon the stone of the neglected grave, his own name. Spirit, no, no, spirit, hear me. I am not the man I was. I will not be the man I must have been, but for this intercourse, assure me that I may yet change. Oh, tell me I may sponge away the writing on this stone. In his agony, Scrooge caught the spectral hand, but he was repulsed. Then holding up his hands, he saw an alteration in the phantom's hood and dress. It shrunk collapsed and dwindled down into a bedpost. The bedpost, my own. The bed, my own. I'm alive. And there is time, time to make amends. Heaven and the Christmas time be praised for this. I am as light as a feather, as happy as an angel. Clear, bright, stirring, cold, golden sunlight. Young man, what's today? What day is today? It's Christmas. I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. Young man, I want you to go to the poulterers and buy that prized turkey that was hanging there and tell them to bring it here fast that I may tell them where to send it. Come back with the man in less than five minutes and I'll give you half a crown. I'll send it to Bob Cratchit's. Quickly, Scrooge dressed all in his best and made his way to the street. The people were by this time pouring forth, and walking with his hands behind him, Scrooge regarded everyone with a delightful smile. 
He looked so irresistibly pleasant in a word that three or four good-humoured fellows said, Good morning, sir. A Merry Christmas to you. Then off to the Cratchit house where he greeted all. A Merry Christmas, Bob. And to all of you, Merry Christmas. A merrier Christmas, Bob, than I've ever given you for many years. I'll raise your salary and help your family. Tiny Tim, come here. Go with your father this day and help him buy another coal scuttle. We're going to warm the affairs of Scrooge and Marley. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. Ever afterwards, it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. May that be truly said of all of us. Amen. speaking from London, England, the international leader of the Salvation Army, General Eva Burroughs. Merry Christmas from London. You know, the message of the Salvation Army during this festive season is found in the prayer of Tiny Tim. With a bursting sense of joy and optimism, with a spirit of exhilaration and hope, his little voice rang through the clamour of a family Christmas with the words, God bless us, everyone. This past year, we have sensed all over the world an opening of communication between nations, a seeking for better understanding, a striving toward peace. There seems to be a yearning within us once again to fashion plowshares from our swords, to speak more kindly to each other, to listen with a greater sense of empathy. We seem to be able to trust one another a little more. To be sure, there is still strife. Indeed, Bethlehem itself is almost a battleground. Poverty still spreads its debilitating disease across hemispheres. Hunger and homelessness shorten the lifespan of of every colour and hatred still spills its ugly fear across the world. No, we haven't yet achieved a perfect world but we turn our faces towards the goal this year with a greater sense of optimism than ever before and our prayer, the prayer of Tiny Tim, echoes throughout the Salvation Army and centres on every continent of the world. God bless us, everyone. Certainly, we will continue to sing the songs of salvation as we carry the love of the babe of Bethlehem around this world. God bless us, everyone. Thank you, General Eva Burroughs.
It's been a joy for me to join with you, Sir John, in this special adaptation of Dickens' A Christmas Carol on behalf of the Salvation Army. It's my pleasure, Angela. I'm familiar with the work of the Salvation Army all around the world, and especially during this season, they challenge that little bit of Scrooge in all of us. Merry Christmas. And in the words of Tiny Tim, God bless us. Everyone. The Salvation Army has presented Miss Angela Lansbury and Sir John Gielgud in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, especially adapted for this broadcast by Robert Doctor. Original musical underscoring was composed and conducted by Bruce Broughton. General Eva Burroughs spoke to you from London. The Salvation Army reminds you during this sensitive season that there are those among us whose Christmas can be brighter if there are others among us who are willing to share. The Salvation Army man or woman where you live will show you how. Your contribution stays in your own community to help those in need. So give generously. You'll find a richer meaning in your own holiday celebration. My name is Dan Sonnenberg. Merry Christmas, everyone. Good evening, it's 8.58, that's 9.58 Atlantic Time at WHOU, 100.1 FM, 13.40 AM, Holton Woodstock, the music source. I'm Nathan McFadden, I'm with you here this Christmas Eve, and I'll be here until 12 o'clock. And uh, right now, this next half an hour, 30-minute block of Christmas music is brought to you by McCann's Auto Restoration North Road in Holton. And we've got Andy Williams coming up right after this. Finding a disc jockey in northern Maine isn't easy. Until now, Music Movers is here and ready to provide music for your function. Whether you're getting married, having a reunion, party, or dance, Music Movers has a variety of music, something for everyone. Rock, oldies, country, and more. And Music Movers is always adding on. Just call WHOU Radio at 532-6587 for more information. That's 532-6587 for Music Movers. Tomorrow night is Ladies' Night at JR's, the area's number one night spot, where ladies pay no cover charge all night long. And Ladies' JR's is going to be giving one lucky lady the perfect Christmas gift. A fabulous $1,500 box fur coat, but you must be present to win. If you're 19 or older, get together with your friends and have fun Christmas night at JR's, where they have Moosehead beer on tap. And ladies, get an extra ticket to win that fur coat. JR's, the area's number one night spot, Lower Main Street in Woodstock. Open Christmas night for Ladies' Night. And remember, ladies arrive before 10 and receive an additional chance to win the fur coat. Hi, this is Chris McQuarrie, General Manager of WHOU. I'd like to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year filled with peace.
riding in a one horse sleigh. Hey, get in, jingle horse, pick up those feet, jingle around the clock. Mix and mingle and a jingle and beat. That's the jingle bell, that's the jingle bell, that's the jingle bell
Bethlehem. So the Holy Bible says, Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ, was born on Christmas Day. Hark now, hear the angels sing, a new king born today. And man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. While shepherds watch their flock by night, them see a bright new shining star. Them hear a choir sing, the music seemed to come from afar. Now Joseph and his wife Mary come to Bethlehem that night and find no place to born she child. Not a single room was in sight. Hark now hear the angels sing A new king born today And man will live forevermore Because of Christmas Day By and by them find a little nook in a stable all forlorn And in a manger cold and dark Mary's little boy was born Hark now hear the angels sing A new king born today And man will live forevermore because of Christmas Nothing you dismay Remember Christ our Savior Was born on Christmas Day To save us all from Satan's power When we were gone astray Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father, a blessed angel came and unto 
to certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. Now that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name, O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, O tidings of comfort and joy. Rejoiced much in mind And left their flocks a-feeding In tempest, storm, and wind And went to Bethlehem straightway The blessed babe to find Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. It's 9.27, that's 10.27 Atlantic Time. I'm Nathan McFadden, and I'll be with you up until 12 o'clock playing Christmas music, and that 30-minute block of Christmas music has been brought to you by McCann's Auto Restoration North Road in Holton. Now, right now, we've got one coming up from Anita Bryant. Do you hear what I hear? But first, we're going to check in for the final report from NORAD. This year, as in years past, the combined facilities of the North American Air Defense Command have been tracking the annual flight of Santa Claus as he visits homes across the continent. According to custom, NORAD is providing escort for the most welcome old man as he continues his journey. Late reports from our computer room here at the Combat Operations Center in Colorado indicate Santa is being seen in many places at once and he's right on schedule. So on behalf of the nearly 60,000 men and women of the North American Air Defense Command, whose responsibility is to guard the sky over our continent, this is Air Force Sergeant Dick Chase wishing you a very Merry Christmas. And there was the final report from NORAD tracking Santa. And in tonight's weather, variable clouds with a 30% chance of flurries, low as 5 to 15 below, so it should be relatively good flying weather. Uh, tomorrow, Christmas Day, partly sunny with a 30% chance of flurries. Highs 5 to 15. Wednesday night becoming mostly clear with low 0 to 10 below. 
and Thursday partly sunny with highs 10 to 15. Here's Do You Hear What I Hear from Anita Bryan here on The Music Source. Oh, and by the way, this 30-minute block of music is being brought to you by Clark's Auto Sales, Bangor Road in Holton. Hi, this is Joe Adams, part-time announcer at WHOU, and I'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. thought of his wife and little Katie 
Tannenbaum, wie treu sind deine Blätter. O Tannenbaum, O Tannenbaum, wie treu sind deine Blätter. Du grunst nicht nur zur Sommerzeit, Nein, auch im Winter, wenn es neigt. O Tannenbaum, O Tannenbaum, wie treu sind deine Blätter. O Tannenbaum, O Tannenbaum, Du kannst mir sehr gefallen. O Tannenbaum, O Tannenbaum, Du kannst mir sehr gefallen. Wie ab hat nicht zur Winterzeit Ein Zweig von dir mich hoch erfreut. O Tannenbaum, O Tannenbaum, du kannst mir sehr gefallen. Yeah.